0: Greetings, heathens. Welcome to Hail Satan. This is the podcast exploring Satanism culture and life in general through the eyes of modern satanists my name is joseph rose i'm a member of the finest congregation in the universe we're called satanic delco and we do welcome members from anywhere in the world if you want to learn a little bit more about us visit satanicdelco.com today on the show we're going to revisit the satanic bible before we get to it though Let's welcome a bunch of rad Satanists that have chosen to join up with the whole gang through Patreon. We've got Poobie Wooby C H E, I am not saying that name. Nikki, Emily, Jake, Jessica, Rob, Paige, Keokamis, Caleb, Matthew, Kate, Amy, David, Lord Lurch, Justin, Cosmic Goat, Tori, Joe, Gregory, Jennifer, Core, Dorian, Josh, and Umbra. Well, goddamn, guys, thank you all very much. It's still a wild feeling to have reached so many people and to have so many choose to support it. I appreciate you all very much, and I'm happy to be at your service. If you have a moment out there, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. You will find links to join me on social media, a form to send me an email, which I encourage you to do, and a link to join up with us all on Patreon. We've got a few different tiers to choose from on there with various benefits, including the amazing Greetings from Hell Satanic Postcard of the Month Club. That is the most direct way you can support me and this show. If you'd like to do that, visit HailSatanPodcast.com. All right. So we're going to revisit the Satanic Bible. It had been quite a few years since I last read it, up until Satanic Delco decided to do it for our book club. So I read it then. And in preparing for these episodes, I read it again. I found that your experience with a book or other forms of media can often be largely defined by your intention or expectations going into it. If I wanted to make an episode where I just nitpick this whole book and dwell on which parts sound silly or which parts Anton borrowed or plagiarized, I could do that. And I could surely fill an episode with that stuff. But that isn't constructive and it isn't my goal. So going into the book now, I already know that there's going to be plenty of things that I don't vibe with and plenty of things that make me roll my eyes. But my real goal is to find and focus on the parts that I do enjoy and connect with. I want to find the pieces that work in the context of our outsider Satanism. So even if your mind feels a little closed off to Anton And his 1960s take on Satanism, don't be too quick to throw the satanic baby out with the bathwater. It's our job to keep our minds open in the way that we expect people to keep their minds open to us. So let's do it. In 1966, Anton LaVey formed the Church of Satan, and in 1969, the Satanic Bible was published. It has reportedly sold over a million copies. Like I said, I've recently reread the book, and to help me get a fresh perspective on it from a non-Satanist, I've enlisted the help of our good pal, Jerry. Welcome back to the show, Jerry. Hello. Every good Satanist
1: needs a guy with Jerry in his name. Yeah, that's right. I'm Jerry Malcolm
0: <laughs> Wood. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Jerry. I gave you the task of reading the Satanic Bible and taking some notes. Did you do any of this?
1: I read. I read uh, most of it.
0: Yes, I, and, and again, I'm I'm almost done. Uh, so, in,
1: uh, and I didn't take notes, but I did highlight <laughs> some things. You did not take any notes. No, no, I don't need to. Okay, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because the, uh, the, the, they, this is a man. This is a mission statement. What I, what I did find most fascinating was find, was understanding how this man grew up. This Anton Lavey. The, the carnivals, the religious organ player, all that neat stuff. It really put gives me insight. And in doing what I do for a living being car sales, we have to quantify people sometimes. Mm. This is perfect. And now I can see why he has such disdain for such things and, uh, and seeing the hypocrisy in it all. And it was quite eye-opening. I
0: assume you had never read this book at all before
1: no no there's no real reason for me to do it and, and, and listen he doesn't make it easy to take him seriously you know it was all theater and that's what i liked about it is that it's a lot of drama a lot of theater he In is fact,
0: quite dramatic
1: for sure and really i could have written this book myself hey they, <laughs> yeah. they do they, they this bible says to do one thing oh, i'll yeah. just do the opposite
0: <laughs> all right
1: and, and that's and that's the story i'm looking so at so
0: when when i said you know please go read the satanic bible we're mm-hmm. going to talk about it what were your expectations of it going in before well, you read it? I have a rudimentary understanding of the
1: TST, which I enjoy that little tenets. It's just basically don't be a dick. And there are pieces of that. You can see where TST borrowed uh, from from this man's doctrine. Yes, and, and, I like that you said that. It borrowed heavily from it. But this is also a guy who's just saying these not, these little factoids or whatever he's trying to put across is be human more than anything. But this is an aggressive human. <laughs> you know, yes, he does like, lean Aggressive, for, for I sure, think, yeah, for sure. But this is just being human. Indulge in yourself. You only have one go round. They don't believe in a physical devil. That's correct. I and, and again, you yes. would, but growing up in the in the Christian church, you would assume that they do believe in a a lower power,
0: right? As a person a black, who's just you know your average person out there in the world, somebody says, "Hey, Satanist." Of course, we always deal with this. The assumption is, oh, well, they worship the devil,
1: for sure. And this, and he didn't. I and I'll say one thing: Levey didn't try to tell people, dissuade them from that. <laughs> right? He, <laughs> he was. He was not too concerned with Mm-mm. that. And, and he had the look, uh, Ming the merciless look from Flash Gordon. He yes. took it and and he ran with it. This was written and then published in 1969 or something like that during the summer of love. And you can't. Th- yeah. 1969 was a very uh, tumultuous year. Or the years that led up to it. A lot sure. of equal rights, a lot of movements and all that stuff. And you can't help but think that this played a part in it. So this is a unique ingredient in the times, so there was video of people on naked on tables. Uh, yeah, I think he definitely made a splash for in sure in the uh, late '60s pop uh, culture. How receptive were people back then, and how scared was the establishment? Because you got to think the Greatest Generation was just coming out of World War One or well, World War Two, <laughs> and World War One and World War Two, and, and and they had a had a Norman Rockwell version of life, which is very you know it, it's it's vanilla. Yeah. All of this stuff—the Black Panthers, the Martin Luther King, uh, fucking the the the, the gay rights—all this stuff—and then you throw this into the mix, it had to blow the establishment's mind. Yeah, so yeah, I some love, old
0: people were probably freaking out. Oh fuck yeah! Now Satan's involved. God yeah. damn it! Yeah, you I know? wonder who was freaking out more—old people or like hippies? I bet some hippies were maybe freaking out well, too. Well, I
1: don't know. I mean, you think about the psychedelic movement was yeah. around there, uh, you know? So they like, it
0: might have just played into it. And Anton has said in so many words that. He was not really a fan of hippie culture, but Anton had some hippie in him. Mm-hmm. He, he had some hippie vibes. Oh, yeah. You know, there were, I mean, look, again, he did lean aggressive, but he had some things. Mm-hmm. But think about it when you pissed off a hippie, what do they do?
1: Went right into the streets. Yeah. Protests and all that right. stuff. Stuff we're dealing with today. Think about the generation before, though. They yeah. had to go through this whole thing. So people are going to Woodstock or seeing pictures of Woodstock. Women have their, their, their shirts off, men are walking around naked. No one's cleaning themselves anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like and and then throw this into it man shit and and like i feel like in some ways i'm part not part but i've been witnessing it even now like the tst thing is sort of like fallen into place with what's going on today yeah and so like the history is repeating in a weird way
0: yeah all right well let's get into it shall we get into this book sure all right with the founding of the church of satan and the publishing of the book Anton gave birth to what many of us call modern Satanism. I'm mostly interested in covering the actual content of the book rather than all of the circumstances surrounding its creation and publication because, like most things related to Anton LaVey, the details vary greatly depending on who's telling the story. So we'll work our way through the book and discuss anything that stands out one way or another. The one variation... That different versions of the book have is the introduction. There have been a few of them over the years written by different people. The version I've been looking at has an introduction written by Burton H. Wolfe. That's the same one you had, right? Yeah. Uh, Burton Wolfe. So let's start there. The very first sentence of the book says, "'On a winter's evening in 1967,' I drove cross town in San Francisco to hear Anton Zandor LaVey lecture at an open meeting of the Sexual Freedom League. Now, there's nothing special about that passage or about that event, but I've highlighted certain things throughout the book as a reminder of some of the core themes that LaVey focuses on again and again, and sexuality and sexual freedom is one of those things. Aside from that, Burton Wolfe basically goes on to recount meeting and interviewing Anton, and this one part stood out to me. Wolfe writes, As I listened to LeVay talk that first time, I realized at once there was nothing to connect him with the occult business. He could not even be described as metaphysical. The brutally frank talk he delivered was pragmatic, relativistic, and above all, rational. Now that part is interesting because you'll find that many TST-aligned people and even non-Satanists say that LeVay is too metaphysical, which I suppose is based on their own interpretation of things that Anton says, most likely related to his use of the term magic, which we'll get into later. But it's interesting that his rationality is actually what stood out to Burton Wolfe. Now, Jerry, you've been around even longer than I have, and surely you've seen bits of Anton here and there through your travels. What's your general impression of him as a casual onlooker? Well, I've seen him on Dick Cavett, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. But the first time I saw him was, uh, uh, you
1: know, we were, it was, I was in Sunday school. And they were telling us. Really? Sunday school was the first time I saw him. <laughs> Europe had a lot of his imagery. Uh, they, they're, in Europe, they have these, um, that's the first time I saw him, actually. It's funny. Yeah, it brings me back. It's 1986. And by the way, I'm only five months older than you. So the, uh, the, the, it was 1986, and they have these uh, cylindrical, like, you know how you add boards where people post things, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a picture of them like, whited out, like the really? old school, like, poster picture. I think it was a picture. I think it was a concert for, like, Motorhead or something oh. like that, and there was a picture of him, and he had that his little, his little horned his yeah, horned yeah. cow. Yeah, I love and, that thing. And again, and then, <laughs> then flash forward, we get out 1988. There was a video that the Sunday school teacher played where they played, like, Told us about the devil's influences, oh. and of course he was. Oh, there. They, were they playing you like satanic panic videos? Yeah, some. Yeah, we had yeah. a bunch of them, but it was just a bad situation. And then I, I got turned on the Black Sabbath that way. Very great, great video. If I can yeah, find yeah, it, it sounds again, fun. I, if I could get it again. But you, 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 you I might it. have that. Yeah, dude, I'll send it to you. They, uh but then hear him in an interviews. Very well spoken man, confident. Mm-hmm. I think there's a confidence that comes from everybody immediately
0: being skeptical of you. Yeah. When well, it just really stood out to me. It's funny that Burton Wolf had this impression. The mm-hmm. thing that stood out was how rational Anton is. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, it's common enough for people's impression of Anton to be wacky fucking Anton wacky- getting it, crazy.
1: It, it is. And, and and really, I think the luminaries of the time had him on. I yeah. mean, I, I think Cavett was the guy I saw him. I, I don't remember. I people.
0: know he was on the Joe Pine show Joe Pine, very yeah, early I'm sorry, on. sorry.
1: It wasn't Cavett. But I do, I, I think once you get past the bombast of a, an all evil and just get to the person, all of it sounds irrational. Even when I was first introduced to this TST thing, and while not being a Satanist, walking into it with you, uh, it just was a, you know, I was shocked at that there was really nothing to do with it. The imagery is what fucks it all up, but it, it, it really is a nice piece of business. But the, the, it's atheists, it's former Christians, it's. There is you are as an outsider you're shocked at how normal everyone is because yeah. you assume all black black hair <laughs> eyeliner running into people who work at pharmaceutical companies you know all that shit it was a very
0: it's 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 eye opening for a lot of us did anything stand out to you in that in what Burton Wolf had to say in that introduction uh, no it was the same experience I had it,
1: it, and a lot of it was and it, just going back through it I mean yeah I was shocked I loved his upbringing. Like yeah. I said in the beginning, I the love carnival the fact stuff, that he's all that. self-taught sure. piano player, organ a carnival, in the a church in the mornings, carnivals at night. Mm-hmm. That I would love to live that life. Sure. I would love to be a musician first and foremost. Yeah. Because even if you're funny, a musician playing guitar will get all the sex. <laughs> so it just <laughs> yes. bothers the shit out of me. But yeah. again, rational, the whole theme of this thing is going to be like, I didn't
0: realize how human everyone was. Right. All right, shall we move on to the preface of the book? Sure. It is written by Anton himself, of course, and he starts it all with the following. This book was written because, with very few exceptions, every tract and paper, every secret grimoire, all the great works on the subject of magic are nothing more than sanctimonious fraud, guilt-ridden ramblings and esoteric gibberish by chroniclers of magical lore unable or unwilling to present an objective view of the subject. So right off the bat, Anton starts throwing around talk of magic while letting the reader know that he is the ultimate authority and most everyone else is a fraud. He was not lacking in confidence at this point in his life. He goes on to basically discredit the majority of material out there related to magic, mysticism, all of that stuff. And he wraps up the preface with, herein, you will find truth and fantasy. Each is necessary for the other to exist, but each must be recognized for what it is. What you see may not always please you, but you will see. Here is satanic thought from a truly satanic point of view. I really dig those last couple of lines there.
1: I I took that
0: completely different than you. Yeah?
1: I didn't think he was discrediting, any, discrediting anything. I think he was just stating the obvious. Magic as a whole is sort of like...
0: Well, no, he's discrediting the material out there, the Mm -hmm. books and information written by these, you know, in his view, charlatans. Oh, like, like, Uh, so we're looking at witch doctors and stuff like that. Yeah, people writing the books. He just thought these people are frauds. So in this section, he's making it clear that none of this stuff will be coming from any type of bullshit purity culture. Mm -hmm. There may be some uncomfortable truths in there, and I find that to be true of real life. I do, too. I I agree completely, but
1: I just looked at it as I'm just stating the obvious. Again, I just didn't see him as discrediting anybody. I just saw. I was like, yeah, fantasy is magic. Magic is fantasy, and like none of it's real. I
0: would <laughs> yes. really like that last part, yeah. just that you know, you're going to find truth and fantasy. They're both necessary, mm-hmm. uh, and what you see may not please you, but you will see. I love that. <laughs> uh, um, I would love to hear the trailer guy read that. But, <laughs> yeah. but you will see. Uh, all right. Did anything else stand out about the preface to you? What I
1: liked about it, it didn't aim directly at the Christian religion, which is sure. it, I, I've always taken umbrage with 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 atheists and all that stuff going after everyone, but not going at not I'm going after only Christians because it's mostly what we deal with in this country. Yes, uh, there's a million other things that it could be very well false. Uh, people are afraid to go after Islam, uh, you know, any type of other... Not me. <laughs> well, I understand. I'm <laughs> terrified. But, like, you know, no one goes after that. No one no. does the other ones. And so it's like, okay, Christianity, Yeah, while they are wrong in some cases and right in others, it's not the only foe you have to rational thought. Yeah. I
0: mean, uh, any, uh, just to... Just the- well, and Anton wanted to carve out his own space in the occult world. Sure. You know, and maybe, you know, if he's... If he's making any effort to discredit other people in that space, it is surely because it's self-beneficial, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, you go
1: after, go after number one. The yeah. only way you're going to be king is to kill the king. Yeah. And so, well,
0: and at the same time, I, I don't want to dismiss it as just Anton marketing or something, but it's reasonable to me to believe that Anton felt like these people were wrong or frauds or whatever. This is sure? This is
1: groundbreaking
0: for the person who sees it as such. Yeah. Very, very interesting book. So then we get to the prologue, which mm. is very short. This section is mostly a wacky word salad written, yes, with, written <laughs> with words like hath and doth, despite being from the late 1960s. But at the end of it, he gets somewhere. It ends with, No longer shall man's salvation be dependent on his self-denial. And it will be known that the world of the flesh and the living shall be the greatest preparation for any and all eternal delights. Mm. That part hints at a real central theme of Levain's Satanism. To me, that central theme is a focus on or celebration of the self, including our natural human desires. He mentions self-denial and our salvation being dependent on that. Christians make damn near a whole religion out of insincerely denying so much of what makes us human. According to Christian doctrine, by simply being born, humans inherit a tainted nature. They call it original sin. From that point on, we're essentially making up for sins that we haven't even committed and denying almost every desire we have in order to prove ourselves worthy to the man upstairs. And of course, all of this is made more ridiculous because, spoiler alert, guys, there is no man upstairs. Are you with me, Jerry?
1: I, no one's born without sin. Children are inherently selfish. Uh, they are. So that's of why course. that's why you baptize them as babies. <laughs> yes. You know, because because you, you're born, you're crying, you're inherently, you're needy, you're wrathful. All babies come out angry. Yeah. So that's wrath. They're fairly stupid. They're pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're, the babies are pissed. And so that's, that's a sin, and, and, and they're always born with sin.
0: Uh, the, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this
1: one. I yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. nothing crazy in that section. No, uh, I, there but was, he's there really was, getting at, you know, he's preparing you. Um, well, that leads us to a very important part of the book, the nine satanic statements. Fun fact, Jerry, early on in the satanic temple... They had the nine fundamental tenets, mm. which were, of course, edited down to seven. Eventually, do you suspect that they were directly inspired by LeVay there, or was it merely a coincidence? I think they was directly responded.
1: Nine is a nine is an odd number. It's one yeah. short of ten, That's which right. I thought was I think was done by done by design, perhaps. You know, ten rules is you go to ten. Then you're now you're lampooning or you're copying yeah, it's too nine nine or eleven would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> nine or eleven would be fine. Yeah. Uh yeah. but yeah, I think I think that was done by design. And 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 you can see the foundations of this TST in this. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're gonna, I'm
0: sure we're gonna touch on lots I of that. Mean, stuff. I, and not this isn't
1: they didn't copy complete, but how no, well look how every, can it not every be derivative? philosophy
0: Is drawing from pre-existing sources sure. to inform their opinions and views and their philosophy. We know the background of a lot of this book. We know about Might is Right. We know about Ann Rand. We know about so many of the sources that Anton pulled from, right. you know, when he was piecing this all together. What? And so it makes sense that, of course, you know, if the Satanic Temple is going to come along and create their Satanic deal, of course, th- those guys in the beginning, they were down with the Church of They're Satan. they going to be
1: derivative, yeah, yeah. I- indeed. The fact that I know so much about the, this Anton LaVey. We know we know as much as we know because he was a very public figure. And I don't know about uh, – I hear him on a seat in this podcast. I forget the other guys with the white eye. Uh, Rex Grossman.
0: Doug. Uh, that's Doug.
1: That's Doug. Doug with the white eye. He's good. Uh, we, know, we know a little bit about him, yep. but you don't know about his partner. And I don't even know if that's his real name, the Malcolm Jerry guy. His real name is Kevin. Kevin. Is that really his name? I saying, his do name. we know anything about him? Yeah. Oh, I don't know shit about him. All he's right, what, he's a what rich
0: is. man named Kevin. All
1: right, well, there it is. But like where, <laughs> I, I, where, where the guy with the white eye, which is going to piss everyone off who reads them. Yeah, I read about this LeVay. Don't know anything. I forgot. Purged everything about the TST. In fact, I, we even watched the movie, and I forgot the fucking guy's name. Good job, Jerry. Sorry, bro. I think that this was such a bombastic, out-there, in-your-face character that it's easy to discredit him. And while mm-hmm. it will make everyone else look a little bit more sophisticated not being that guy. Yeah. Because the white, the guy with the, I'm going to look his name up, the white-eyed man. Lucian
0: Greaves. Lucian Greaves. His name is
1: Doug. When we say Doug, that's Lucian Greaves. Lucian Greaves is a sophisticated, evil-looking guy. <laughs> but is sophisticated, the way he speaks. And Anton, Anton spoke, too. But you will never, ever cleanse or purge him and that little cowl with the two little devil ears yeah. in front of a naked woman on a, uh, on, a on a plank. Yeah. You can't ever wash that away. Can't hate on and it. And it also is is also it it is really bad that it's done in that grainy 1960s footage. I love that. It looks like a snuff film. I love it. <laughs> All right, uh, go on. It's, a, it's everything Rob Zombie puts in a video.
0: <laughs> yes. I'm sure he was inspired by Anton. Uh, so, yeah, Anton created the nine satanic statements. We'll go through each one and we'll share any feelings we have about them along the way. I have... A lot of feelings, as you might imagine. I love this. Number one, Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Mm. Well, I'll be damned, Jerry. This motherfucker struck gold on the very first one. This idea is absolutely central to outsider Satanism. And I do believe indulgence is one of those themes that he touches on consistently through the book, This is directly related to what we were saying earlier about Christianity's denial of the self. This is the inverse. If God represents abstinence from so many earthly pleasures, Satan represents shameless indulgence in those earthly pleasures. There's a great
1: in-between. Abstinence also, we see with the Catholic Church and some of their foibles— uh, it leads to repression, and repression right. leads to—I uh, can't think of the word. Sex with children. Well, there was another—I wasn't going to go directly
0: to that. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's what we're saying, I, I, right? that's what it is. Yeah, it, that's what it is.
1: It's going, there's going to be a valve that has to be opened, you know? Yeah. And I didn't want to go to the pedophilia aspect immediately. I mean, that's just where I go, because that's what it is. Satan represents indulgence, of course, but I also think in a rational human's
0: mind, indulgence,
1: you know, you, you just— Anything in measure is a good thing.
0: Yeah, and, and. That, is, that is a theme that we're going to run into over and over again throughout a lot of Anton's philosophy here. Anton likes to say, I'm sure it'll come up. It's definitely in the book later on. But Anton supports the idea of indulgence without compulsion. Mm-hmm. Or guilt. And there is a difference. Or guilt. And, of and, course. And, and
1: where we the Jew, uh, Jewish uh, Catholic – Guilt is huge. Yes. I'm going to say Protestants and bad, not so much. I'm well, sorry, yo. I'm sorry, guys. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. but you, you just you just get your, you get on your knees, say I'm sorry, and do yeah, it again. I think the Catholic guilt is unique. Catholic and Jewish guilt are huge. Yeah, it's huge, and I, I can't wait to get to one of these things. We'll talk about it. All right. right. Um, th- any thoughts on that one? That that was it basically. Well, right? no, I, I'm learning to I'm learning to do that myself. To indulge in certain things and realize that you're not a terrible person for thinking that you might have been repressing something that was. Obviously, in your nature, if you're not hurting anybody, which is one of your tenants or whatever, it's close to it, sure. if you're not hurting anybody and still eating a piece of cheesecake, well, then that's good. Yeah. And sometimes it, it, it even comes – and again, you can't help but tie it to a, a physical, a sexual look. You know, I mean this yeah. is all about that. I mean yeah, this the, is a very – The good
0: Lord gave us cheesecake. We might as well eat this it. This is
1: all very much about free love. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> you know, That's so a part, like, sure. You know, to to be to indulge in what makes you feel good in a lot of in a lot of ways is bad in other religions. And this one, it says what it it says it's okay. And so, but like, it's hard to break the yeah. well. Uh, guilt yeah, and that. I
0: even I mentioned you know Satan represents shameless indulgence yeah, um, in the earthly pleasures, and that is. I think an important part of it there, – there might be a certain connotation that people attach to the idea of shameless, but what I mean by it is literally without shame, without the shame that is put on you from so many other religions, I, um, I, I this doesn't I, offer that.
1: I believe in – I believe there should be a little bit of shame in A little in bit everything. of shame? You know what? It tempers you. You can't yeah. – you would be an obnoxious prick. <laughs> If you went out there without any level of, of like, oh, this won't have repercussions, I'm shameless. You know, well, you- no,
0: I mean it, you know, in the context in fact, of indulgence, <laughs> you want to eat the cheesecake. All right, number two, Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Mm-hmm. Vital means energetic or lively. Mm-hmm. This means basically living with some pep in your step. We call it living your best life. It's a vital existence rather than simply an existence. And pipe dreams are basically unrealistic, unattainable plans. For example, I'm going to be a good person and follow all the rules. And when I die, my magical soul will float from my body up to heaven, where it will live in bliss with the Lord for all of eternity.
1: Streets of gold.
0: That, Jerry, is a spiritual pipe dream. For me... Driving fast with a pretty girl and listening to bad motor finger is vital existence. Throwing myself out of an airplane a few times on a random Tuesday afternoon is vital existence. You feel me? I'm picking up what you're putting down. I, your examples are very extreme. Mine would be a walk in the park. Well, sure. That too. A walk in the park. I, it can park with, be whatever with, we like. With
1: all of the all of the women.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I like an, a a quiet or men, walk someti- on or, the beach. Or
1: sometimes men. I've I'm going to do it all now after reading this book.
0: Sure. Yeah. So yeah, without question, this idea comes with us to outsider Satanism for sure. Uh, any other thoughts on that one, Jerry? Number two, spiritual
1: pipe dreams. I mean, yeah, you said it yourself. You know, I'm going to die, and that's it. You can be certain of the life you're leading now. Yeah. And if you're unhappy in it, you can change it. Right but if you're unhappy in it trying to get to a, a metaphysical yeah like, yeah like if fat you're fat.
0: sacrificing everything so that you can indulge in the afterlife you're going to be oh my god shit out of luck i son. don't know
1: i mean it, there was a long time i th- children children when you're a child you believe that yeah that's really it, unfortunate it, it keeps you in line and, sure. and and that's where and that's and that is a huge keeping huge thing. in line uh, is an uh,
0: important uh, part of it all right number 3 satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. So this statement and the Satanic Temple's fifth tenet are the same thing. TST worded it this way, beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. That is undefiled wisdom. They go on to say one should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. That is self-deceit. And just to help solidify what this means, let me read not from the Satanic Bible, but from an essay called A Map for the Misdirected, written by the current Church of Satan high priest Peter Gilmore. He says, The Church of Satan has always looked for knowledge to science, both Western and Eastern. We call this undefiled wisdom. And this is the ever-deepening understanding of the nature of the beast called man and the universe in which he exists. We don't accept faith or mysticism. We demand bedrock knowledge, understanding, which can come from outward research and observation, as well as carnal intuition. So yeah, I am down with this. This is a valuable part of the foundation of outsider Satanism. Your thoughts, Jerry?
1: I think he had a a point that could be acceptable to the masses, but once you throw the carnal aspect, then you're going to turn a lot of people off. So coming from a a viewpoint of selling this to people, and I don't, I know you, no one sells anything in these things anymore They're just stating uh, facts. <laughs> if you were to just leave that out, it would be a perfectly fine way to live, and and people, other people outside of it would look at it. Leave what out? The, the carnal aspect. The you know? beast
0: called man. Yeah. The, stuff? Well, no,
1: no, no. The carnal one. Mm-hmm. I, I even think the beast called man people will get behind. Right. Because uh, how many people like uh, I I I fucking hate people. I love cats. Mm. You know, you
0: hear that all the time. Yeah, just the idea of the he mentions carnal intuition. Yeah, because because
1: immediately you're going to you're going to assume you're going to assume you're indulging in something. And again, no one wants. And I know that's what we just, it's just what we just said versus what we're doing now. Mm. I'm talking about from a sales perspective, right? The carnal thing you could have been left out. A carnal intuition's cute. It's fun to say, yeah. but it also it also in
0: well, it, he's saying he's saying we don't accept faith or mysticism. Right. We demand bedrock knowledge. And that can come from outward research and observation, right. as well as carnal intuition. Oh, and carnal. I I'm, take that to mean like trust
1: your gut about something. Maybe things. I'm maybe I'm looking at it again as a pervert in a pervy way. Then <laughs> yes. I apologize. And <laughs> you that, do you're have right. a tendency. I, to I, be... I, you know what though? I, I as soon as you said that, or before you said that, I was like, "Oh, that can mean a lot of things." And I was like, "Okay, I was out of line. So, <laughs> you're out yeah, of line. Edit that right? out. Make me
0: sound smart." All right, I'll try and edit that. <laughs> no, don't.
1: Okay, just keep every every stupid thing I say in.
0: Number four is Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates, mm. exclamation point. Also, it should be noted that all of his statements end with an exclamation they point. Are all did they-, <laughs> they do, I forgot to add that, but that is You have to yell true. every one of these. I, yeah, I, I, I should shout. Let
1: me. Can I read it? No, let me, Jerry. Let me read the one. Stop it. Let me yell this shit. Listen,
0: this statement is essentially saying the same thing as the Satanic Temple's first tenet, and there says... One should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. The difference is in the tone created by the choice of wording. They say the same things, but have different attitudes. Anton's vibe is edgy and kind of salty, and TST makes their effort to be as universally appealing as possible. Um, Anton says kindness, and TST says compassion pretty similar, right? Right. Anton says to those who deserve it instead of ingrates, and TST says in accordance with reason. Neither one of them are advocating for mandatory universal love or compassion. That would be unrealistic and unreasonable. They are both saying that we should express kindness, compassion, empathy to those who deserve it. Who deserves it is determined by our own individual sense of reason. If someone is an ingrate, to use Anton's example, then it would not necessarily be reasonable to offer them kindness or compassion. How much of your limited time and energy do you really want to spend on ungrateful people? Mm. So, yeah, I agree with this one the same way I agree with TST's version of
1: it. It's a sensible living. It's also the... It's probably the. It happens all the time. This is how it works. Somebody's an asshole to you, you're going to be an asshole to them, right? You know, turning the other cheek is not a thing people. A lot of people do.
0: And and look, we were just talking about carnal intuition. Yeah, and that plays into all of this. Like Mm -hmm. I said, you know, we use our own individual sense of reason, and that's just what that is. You get a vibe. You're a person who deserves kindness from me, Mm -hmm. or you're not. You get that vibe in all of your interactions. And that's natural. This that's is a, normal.
1: And I, and I think that's the thing that's going through this whole, going through all of these. These are normal reactions to normal things that happen to you. Yeah. Somebody, somebody cuts you off in traffic. Well, fuck that guy, or, or <laughs> right, you know, right. or if you get something in your soup, they, and, and they you know, what I mean, it's a, it's yeah. A different we piece. use
0: our individual tolerances for whatever, and and decide how we feel how these, about
1: it. I love how all these sort of say the same thing over and over again. But keep it going, <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> so yeah, the aim of acting with kindness to those who deserve it. Is definitely a part so, of
1: our he, outsider Satanism. Christian Christianity would be closer to a, like, you know, love thy neighbor no matter what. Pray for them. I don't know if he said it in here, but prayer is almost abusive. If you find somebody like, um, yeah. like in the South, if they think you're doing something like unruly or dumb, be like, i oh, bless your heart.
0: <laughs> that's, yes. the, that's the thing. Yes. So it's like
1: so like say it's a prayer is more of a like, change this motherfucker because he's a piece of shit, you know, <laughs> and, and you're asking God to do it for you, you know, like yeah. and you hope. And if I could if I knew God could do that for me, I would do it for
0: everybody. I was since I sold cars,
1: I'd be like, "Please let this motherfucker buy the Corolla and get the goddamn wax and yeah. The tires." Yeah, <laughs> please,
0: Lord, give me what I want right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: give it now. Yeah, Dude.
0: yeah, I'm always look. I'm down with all this Satan business, but I'm praying all the time just in case. <laughs> I pray all the time for the Lord to bring me pizza right now. Uh, please, Lord, if you can hear me, just I mean, take me away right now. Ain't, there ain't so many times <laughs> he never at, does
1: it. He I mean, so many times I look at that goddamn lottery ticket and say oh, that yeah. I'm the most religious
0: man in the world looking at a $250 yep. million dollar lottery yeah, ticket. Yeah, damn right. I'll pray <laughs> if it'll make a difference. Uh, all right. Number five, Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. All right. This is an interesting one, Jerry. I've got a lot to say about this, maybe. What is vengeance? I'm obsessed with, like, finding the definition of words, right? I want to know what the actual definition is. I always do that. Uh, This one is defined as punishment inflicted or retribution exacted for an injury or wrong. Now, this section would get really long if I allow myself to dive deep into the various interpretations of the phrase, turning the other cheek which was my original plan here. But instead of that, I will try to keep it simple. First, the origin of turn the other cheek. It comes from the New Testament, specifically the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 38 and 39. It says, (laughs) "'Ye have heard that it hath been said, "'an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. "'But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, "'but whoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek.'" Turn to him the other also. Over time, people have casually paraphrased that into turn the other cheek, and most often it is taken to represent a form of pacifism, basically. Just ignore them. You've been wronged. Do not react. It almost invites the aggressor to attack some more. Some view that as a form of protest. And like I said, there are other, in some cases, very detailed interpretations of this. I think it might be a bit too narrow to view it all in the limited context of physical violence. It could perhaps be applied to any number of scenarios where you felt attacked or wronged in some way. Maybe you think, well, I've been fucked with, so I'm going to fuck with you right back. And then the other guy has to retaliate. And back and forth we go, and more damage is done to more people, be it physical, emotional, whatever – But it is exactly that, that Anton is suggesting here. He says, Satan represents vengeance. I've said before that I won't just pick random values or ideas to attach to my Satanism. I'll do my best to find some sort of actual connection to the character of Satan or pre-existing Satanic philosophy. But in at least some cases, I think attaching random values to Satan is exactly what Anton did— including right here. Where in the vast lore of Satan do we see vengeance? Plenty of people have written about Satan waging a war in heaven, but there are lots of different suggestions as to what his motives were for doing that. I could go into those, but again, we'll be here all day. Um, But one story does stand out from the so-called romantic Satanists. In the case of Revolt of the Angels. Satan decides to call off a planned war against heaven. He says, God conquered will become Satan. Satan conquering will become God. May the fates spare me this terrible lot. I suppose one could say that Satan turned the other cheek in that example. Um, I got to say, Jerry, I'm a little torn about this one. I would suggest that every unique scenario requires one to consider the most appropriate response based on any number of factors, including what the potential repercussions of that response will be. Are there moments when vengeance of some kind is appropriate? Yes. There's nothing in the statement that says vengeance is required in 100% of situations or anything like that. We've already discussed kindness or compassion to those who deserve it, and in this case, I think we're talking about vengeance to those who deserve it. When I started thinking about this section, I kind of rolled my eyes thinking about Anton just being edgy, but it's one of those hard truths that he mentioned early on. We don't want to think of ourselves as some vengeful beings, but look deep within yourself and consider what you would do if you turned a corner And found someone doing something harmful or terrible to your child or your partner or your dog. I don't know about you, but I would snap into fucking Batman mode in about one second. I'm vengeance. So somewhat to my own surprise, I'm saying yes to vengeance when it feels appropriate as judged by me, the individual. And that feels like the most obvious natural answer.
1: It is. It, 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 you, you make a lot of points there. Vengeance also requires effort. You had covered this in the in the in the, yes. for, in, the in the forgiveness uh, thing, where you know it's easier just to forgive, just to say I fucking forgive you, so you don't have to deal with the act. Vengeance is a passionate act. You know, if somebody punches me, I'm gonna punch them back. Very rarely do you look for a vengeance if some people if people just do you wrong you're usually just like oh, I'm not gonna fuck I'm not gonna mess with that guy anymore this this is more of a opinion of a teenager a child a hormonal <laughs> person that's what that's how it is to me and yeah. also the vengeance aspect it's like if you tie, he attached to Satan it, it really if in my in the Old Testament God is a wrathful God a vengeful yes. God yes this is not just exclusive. sadistic this is not exclusive to <laughs> Lucifer you know I mean right. this is this is. This is everyone. I mean, Allah. Everyone has a vengeful moment where they believe they have to fuck with people. Lot's wife didn't deserve to turn into a pillar of salt. <laughs> That's right. But he warned that bitch, don't turn around. Yeah. You know, and then she did, and then now Jerry, now, we don't say bitch. And now about she's people. now she's the original salt bay. And so like the there's just there's all of this vengeance and act and all that other stuff requires acts of passion, acts of horror. In fact, even the current the sexual aspect. This is the ramblings. Mm, sorry,
0: you just, love the sexual aspect. No, I'm you're talk, very sexual today. I'm
1: not very sexual. I'm going to tell you why I have. I feel this way. This is the ramblings of either a repressed man or a <laughs> teenager. Yeah, because <laughs> well, hey, he had a
0: youthful spirit. Did about he though? Because <laughs> so we're sitting
1: there in homeroom and you call me a fucker and in front of the hottest chick in the room. I, yeah, I want a vengeance. You right. do that to me now, I'm going to be like, ah,
0: I, yeah, who I, cares? I'm just going to leave the room. Yeah, you know. So this is the this is this is a passion. Well, perhaps that you know you're just describing maturity,
1: maybe. And he's not, this is not maturity. You're upset about it. I'm not upset about it, but the, <laughs> I am a little upset about it. But, like, all of this stuff is a, is somebody who didn't, eat, who didn't get a lot of this stuff and wants it or got a lot of this stuff and doesn't
0: understand why people don't want it. Yeah. And, and, and I don't care who you so are. So you feel generally like Anton is maybe a little edgy.
1: I think he's edgy for edgy's sake on occasion. Yeah, that's what I mean. In like theater. Yes. This is all theater. He certainly all look. Theater. We'll
0: say it a million times. Anton is a showman, right? I, I, like PC that's Barna. his deal.
1: I would say all theater. I take that back
0: because there's some salient, cogent points
1: in here for sure. And I and so I, I get I get it. You know, but some of these things like the like, it's saying the same thing. If those who deserve it, like this could have like this TSD did it right by knocking it down to seven because the four and five are almost the same fucking thing. <laughs> sure. All right. Yeah. So and again, I'm not I'm sorry for cursing. I should make Yeah, we issue. don't uh talk like that.
0: Charlie. I should be I
1: should be I, You're in using to, Christian language. Well I want this to I want this to be given to the masses and right. I want it want to be commercial. So unless okay. I say, you know, bitch and fuck the whole time, then we, we we're Yeah, we're gonna be in trouble. We'll have a yeah, we're gonna, make, it's gonna be in an issue.
0: All right. But let's yeah. uh let's move on, shall we? The All next right. one number six one. is Satan represents responsibility to the responsible Instead of concern for psychic vampires. All right. Mm -hmm. What the hell is a psychic vampire? Later on in the book, Anton gives us some insight into psychic vampires. He says, Many people who walk the earth practice the fine art of making others feel responsible and even indebted to them Mm -hmm. without cause. Satanism observes these leeches in their true light. Psychic vampires are individuals who drain others of their vital energy— this type of person can be found in all avenues of society. They fill no useful purpose in our lives and are neither love objects nor true friends. I bet we've all experienced some of these people, and none of us have enjoyed it. Um, hey, you're right.
1: Somebody who's somebody who's a leech, near, a somebody leech somebody on your life near you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a leech.
0: Yeah, I'm a <laughs> leech. <laughs> Overall, this statement is about personal responsibility. Uh, I have another quote here from Peter Gilmore just to reinforce this idea. He says, We Satanists drain the cup of life and, through informed choice and full personal responsibility, handle the results of our decisions with skill and grace. We ain't prudes, neither are we out of control. He also adds, The Satanist does what he wishes, taking full responsibility for all consequences to his actions. I think this is hard to argue with. Mm. Of course, we should have personal responsibility. There's no good reason to blame others for your choices or your shortcomings. I think you should own your victories and you should own your mistakes. And of course, we would all benefit from having a life free from these psychic vampires. So yeah, I'm down with this idea too.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a it's a good way to live. I love the accepting of your victories and accepting of your defeats. That's normal, rational thought. Again, a a, a complete plot point. This whole thing, rational yeah. thought.
0: They almost feel like um, his two parts of this statement. Uh, Satan represents responsibility. The responsible is one part, and then the psychic vampires is the other. And I guess I guess they do belong together, but they almost feel like they could be two separate things, like mm-hmm. two separate. Parts of that to to expand upon. And he he does later in the book.
1: The company you keep is really what that's saying, you know.
0: Yeah. And the psychic vampire doesn't adhere to the personal responsibility part. And what is confession?
1: Other than making you say what you did in some level an atonement, feel bad about it, do it over, and that would would that be some level of psychic vampirism? Uh,
0: um, well, no. I mean, the idea of owning up to it, you know, a confession or an apology or a thing, in a sense, that is taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's saying, yeah, I take responsibility. I fucked up. Here I am to admit that and own it. And mm-hmm. I accept the consequences because it was my doing okay. rather than try to put it off on someone else. Oh, well, I couldn't do it because Jerry, uh, mm. you know, I am a psychic vampire. Then. Exactly. I do not take responsibility for any (laughs) of this shit. (laughs) That's true. All right. Number seven, Satan represents man as just another animal, sometimes better, more often worse than those that walk on all fours, who, because of his divine, spiritual, and intellectual development, has become the most vicious animal of all. Anton is really coming to us with a bunch of these maybe uncomfortable truths. You'll find that most people out there elevate themselves as a species over the rest of the animals that share the planet with us. We're different, obviously, but we're certainly not inherently better. If you observe the natural world, you'll find that many animals participate in some pretty ruthless behavior. Above all else, They are fighting for survival. They don't have the luxury of relaxing in a comfortable chair, ordering a pizza, and feeling pretty secure that nothing is about to kill them. So when you consider human creations like nuclear weapons, genocides, and countless other horrific behaviors, what makes us better? We might be smarter in some ways. We can make Cool things like rockets and refrigerators, which are admittedly pretty great. But with all of our intelligence and our acknowledgement of things like compassion, we still manage to be the most vicious animal of all. So once again, Anton is not wrong. I think I'm with him here.
1: When I read this, if if a hyena had our mental capability, it would do the same thing. It would find a way to wipe out what it would try to kill it. Sure. I mean, we just have
0: the option of doing so. We can, we do. And well, so, like, and we've it, gotten to a point, because of all of our advancements, that we essentially have no natural predators.
1: No, no, except, <laughs> you for, know? Our, except for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's it's, it's unique in that, that we keep, now we're just doing shit to do shit. We solved a lot of our problems a long time ago. After the Black Plague, they were like, eh, let's get some garbage out, you know what I mean? Yeah. let do we do. We solved a lot of not
0: even the Black Plague. Like, go back farther. Like... Oh, we can build shelter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we don't Fire. have to live under a tree <laughs> with a lion or something. You and know, the
1: rudimentary things. But I, 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 we, we, we do things to do things now, yeah. and and regardless, uh, we are hurting the world lithium mining, uh, fracking, things like that. Yeah, yeah we would be. Considered, I mean, above
0: all else, we're hurting ourselves.
1: We're hurting ourselves in the long run. Yeah. So yeah, I I'm I'm on it. But I also think if something had the mental capability and as advanced as us, it would do the same fucking. Thing. <laughs> yeah. From mice. All the way up to us, you know? yeah. so, If they could, they would. Is they what could, you're saying? If they could, they would, man. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I and also hail Peta, because that <laughs> so sounds much. like a complete Peta. <laughs> yes, Ave Petanis.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I just I think he's not wrong here. No, no, um, no. He's just pointing out one of those uncomfortable truths, and and you know it's kind of a bummer, but he's on the money. Right. The next one, number eight. Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. Mm. Now, this is a big one here. This is referring to what we know as the seven deadly sins. Fun fact, they are also known as the capital vices or cardinal sins. The sins in question are lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. So let's go through these sins together and see how we feel about them. We're going to go through them. First up is lust. It is defined as very strong sexual desire. To me, this isn't even a Satan discussion. This is just a human discussion. I see nothing wrong with lust, and I enjoy the feeling. Almost every person has felt it or will feel it. and this one illustrates one of the most glaring differences between Satanism and Christianity. This is a completely natural human feeling, and Christianity tells you that it's a sin. And it's not like you can even avoid it. You don't make a conscious choice to feel it. It just happens to you. You know, Jerry, you're a a young man. You're looking through your Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition.
1: Swimsuit issue, man.
0: You know, you see that uh, Kathy Ireland back in the day, Did or love Kathy or whatever, Ireland. Wow, whatever you're, you're, you're into. You're, yeah, right
1: now, I'm experiencing strong, yeah. lust. Thank you. Sexual desire <laughs> for me. <laughs> no, 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 no. What you're what you explaining? Oh, oh. And by proxy, I'm putting <laughs> Kathy Ireland's head on your body right Thank now. Thank So hot.
0: Um. Yeah. What do you think about this? I mean, well, lust, I lust is, is fine, lust right? Is,
1: well, lust is also a natural. It's how we procreate. It's the beginning. Of how this species populates. Not me. Vasectomy. Oh yeah, you know you you found you see Another thing. Science. Humans are the most vicious animal in the world. That's right. They
0: cut penises. We can feel we can feel that's lust a, that's without procreation. A, that's
1: another thing. Uh oh. Satanism <laughs> doesn't require you to mutilate my penis. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. Yeah. Because the foreskin. I, I I mean again I've had I've had a lot of talks about this. <laughs> I don't think there's any—it pisses me off that they took a little bit of my penis. I needed every bit of it. Yeah. I needed every bit of my penis. I never
0: wanted it. I never—I was fine. I'm circumcised as well, if if it's all right to say to everybody. I'm sorry if it's too personal. I am. Uh, I am circumcised. And most of my life, I was cool with it. I'm like, yeah, I want to be circumcised. I guess it's okay this way. But now, later on in life, I kind of wish I hadn't been. I I would like to have that little extra— Sheath of protection. I'm just saying, more. This surface, is probably a lot of detail that's off track. More surface to, area. We don't need, I to need to do it. this.
1: It's part of the show.
0: But the idea is lust, mm-hmm. and uh, it's natural. Yeah. It, it, you got to start
1: somewhere, and that's the first part. And unfortunately, it sends you to hell.
0: Yeah. And so keep mm-hmm. in mind, as we're going through these sins, this is all part of Anton's eighth statement, which is Satan represents all the sins, and so we're going to go through the sins and see how we feel about them. If if we're on board with Anton here, as far as lust goes. I say, yeah, I'm pro-lust. Fuck yeah. All right. Our next sin is gluttony. Gluttony is habitual greed or excess in eating. Now, habitual indicates that something is a habit and is done in excess. Mm -hmm. Anton's philosophy supports indulgence without compulsion. To me, habitual greed or excess in eating indicates compulsion. And because of that, I don't think gluttony is a good thing. I don't think the idea of overdoing something, which is generally negative or harmful, leads to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. So I actually disagree here. Based on my understanding of the word, gluttony isn't something to pursue.
1: No, I, it's, it's, it's addiction, too. I mean, in, in anything done, in, as we talked about earlier in, in the show, measures Things in done measure are fine. You You can have a drink. Drinking
0: is okay. Getting hammered Mm -hmm. into oblivion all the time, not so great. is an addiction. Yeah. Uh,
1: And and anything that you overdo will – and if it affects everyone around you or or it just becomes your sole purpose or the only thing that you can enjoy or not as an indulgence – well, then it's not worth your time. Yeah. So gluttony could be considered the the worst one. I mean, there are days where you can eat a whole pizza, and that's fine, and that's sure. gluttony. That is also a sin. It may not a sin, but that's it's gluttony. You eat a whole pizza. It, it, yeah. You know, you don't have to. Yeah,
0: but I mean, just the idea. Like, to me, if you eat a whole pizza four times a week, that's bad news. Ain't good. All right, but if you eat a whole pizza once in a year, mm-hmm. all right. It was in a, that makes it an indulgence for sure. That's a temporary indulgence. Mm-hmm. That's a momentary thing. But when you get into habitual greed or yeah. habitual anything, that's problematic,
1: right? But I also I don't I
0: greed greed I'm, I'm, I'm shaky on. Well, greed's you know greed's next. We'll we'll get right okay, to that one. To this that was one. gluttony. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I, I I'm not on team gluttony. All I'm right, uh, right. I'm half a Christian on this one. We agree. All right. Greed is defined as intense, and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, or food. This one is also a little tricky. I think the desire for wealth, power, food, or most anything is completely natural. Where it gets sticky for me is the addition of the word selfish. It's called a selfish desire for something. And selfish means basically lacking consideration for others. I think a reasonable balance is the best option. And that's probably a thing I'll say a million times throughout all of this. It's perfectly reasonable and doable to feel a desire for things without a lack of consideration for others. So I'm not all about this one.
1: Selfish is the is the, is the operative word, but I also think greed in some cases can be ambition. Ambition is not a bad thing. Uh, but again, ambition is also linked to selfish act.
0: Well, and, and we're going to touch on that when we get to envy also.
1: Okay, so ambition and the, the, the want to obtain things. Greed is uh, goal-based. You know, I want this. I need more of this. I need it. It's never enough. And I understand that. You, if you hurt people along the way— it's only going to come back to you, you know. I mean, the people you step on up the ladder are the ones that are going to see when you fall down, and that that, that that's true in every. I've been there, and I've been up and down. Yeah. So I I understand that, and there's a great maturity that has to come with that, you know. Yeah. So
0: it talks about you know, greed is an intense desire for something. So on the face of it, you know, I'm I want more pizza. Mm-hmm. I just want it. I want a lot of pizza right now. We're going to keep talking about pizza this whole episode because I love pizza, yeah. but. I want more pizza, so I can order more pizzas, and I can have them, mm-hmm. and that's okay. I'll buy them for me, and I will eat them. Whereas if we're at our little party, and we've got two pizzas, and I'm going to eat it all and not share with anybody else, that is selfish and bad. Mm-hmm. Whereas just wanting pizza and getting pizza is okay, mm-hmm. and that's the difference. The difference for me is the addition of selfish. Into the mix, and that's where it turns me off, and that's why I'm not on Team Greed. No, when uh, when you're when you eat, your dogs eat.
1: I like that. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. You with me on this greed? I, I
1: agree. Greed is good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry, man. I, I, All I, right, this, we're not.
0: On, oh, Jerry is pro so, greed.
1: So, no, I'm not. I, I believe that you. If it's ambition, yes. If it's hoarding, well, if yeah. it's hoarding, no. It's
0: just it's the. To me, the whole thing hinges on selfish. Which is mm. um, a lack of consideration for others.
1: That word is the biggest. Up. That's I, the problem. I, and I have a ton of that.
0: Yeah. So, but I, I,
1: I think of everyone. <laughs> right. But no, I, I, yeah, the selfish one is the hook. So I'm, I'm in the middle there. Yeah. But
0: selfish is the thing that turns me away from it.
1: And I'm not an ambitious person, but I understand the outlook. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very like being a fan of hip hop. There is a deadly focus to getting where you need to go. You know, you don't step on other people. You try not to, but sometimes it's unavoidable. Some people want to be stepped on. Yeah. That's why I'm a true Anton LaVacy. I'm going to step on a
0: motherfucker. All right. Next up, sloth. Mm. It is reluctance to work or make an effort, laziness. I sense a theme here as far as my own feelings about these things, and I think it comes down to a healthy balance. Basically, is there a time and place for being reluctant to work or to be lazy? Absolutely. Of course. We all need a day like that every once in a while, a day to just relax, free your mind, recharge the battery a little bit. But of course, when that becomes a significant part of how you live life, I think that's not a good idea. I wouldn't recommend a person lean into sloth as a way of life. So, I suppose I'm kind of neutral on this one. I think you wake up that way.
1: And, uh, people, who, <laughs> Sometimes. people, people who get up and go to a job they don't want to do yep. to um, supply to so do what they do. They do almost the minimal amount that could be considered sloth, and that's a bad way to approach anything. Sloth, laziness. It's what's well, my natural state. <laughs> so I'd yeah. rather not do anything, you know, and 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 get the money that I prayed for with the lottery ticket, right? The, the but the. It is bad. I, I, I'm, I'm, I like the the lazy day, but I don't think that's what that means. I think I don't think that means like a recharge or a refresh of the batteries. No, this is that's just generally people don't want to do shit and just sit there. So yeah, this is a bad one. Sloth is not good. Uh, Being lazy is not good, especially when you know if you're a parent or you're trying to get somewhere. And I'm again, I sound like I'm this ambitious, greedy guy.
0: You know me. I'm well, not it's just. I just. I just, I just think it's being, just a healthy balance. Yeah, and like so many. Look, of course, if you're, if you're either extreme in most things, it's probably not good. Right. You know, if you're way off, I, if you're if you're way into sloth, and you're just a lazy fuck all the time, you don't want to do shit. You just you're just not that guy. That's one problem. But then there's the. Go, go, go all the time, workaholic, ignores his family. He's gotta, you know, keep working and okay. you know that's detrimental in its own way. Yeah, it's a different thing. It's like you said,
1: everything in measure. I get it. Yeah, I get it. But yeah, I, I'm gonna say that this is probably like the one I would probably be
0: least interested in. Okay. You're not for sloth. Not at all. All right. Wrath is next. Wrath is simply an extreme anger. Again, anger is a feeling. We don't generally choose to feel it. It just happens. And when it happens, does it feel good? No, I don't like to feel angry. But I was thinking that this definition of extreme anger felt maybe a little oversimplified. So I looked around at some other sources, and they add an additional definition of vengeance or punishment as the consequence of anger. That sounds more like wrath to me that's how we kind of know it. I've usually connected it with an action of some kind rather than just a feeling. Now, when you're angry, angry enough that it causes you to act out in a response to that anger. Are you likely to make the most informed, rational decision? Absolutely not. When people react out of anger in that moment, it would be reasonable to say that they are out of control. I suspect Wrath leads to a lot of regret and probably more than a few prison sentences. And I would be remiss in my duties here if I didn't recall everyone's favorite example Mm -hmm. of wrath in popular culture. What is it, Jerry?
1: This would be Kevin Spacey and Brad Pitt and what's in the box.
0: (laughs) Seven, the film (laughs) Seven, 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 of course. Let me paint a picture for you. Spoiler alert, everyone. Imagine for a moment. John Doe's directions lead the detectives to a remote, deserted location. Minutes after their arrival, a delivery van approaches. Detective Mills holds Doe at gunpoint while Detective Somerset intercepts the driver, who says he was instructed to deliver a box to their location. Somerset opens the box and, in sudden panic, tells Mills to stay back. Doe reveals that he himself represents the sin of envy as he envies mills life with his wife tracy and implies that the box contains tracy's severed head put the gun down. i saw you with the box who's in the box because i envy your normal life put the gun down david it seems that envy is my sin oh what's in the box Not give me the what's gun? in the fucking box give me the gun he just told you you lie you're a fucking liar shut up That's what he wants he wants want you to shoot him. No! No!
1: Become vengeance, David. Ah, oh, she's alright. You tell me. Become. wrath. Tell
0: me she's alright! You she made her a suspect, David. No! Just throw it all away in the No! She begged for her life, Detective. Shut up! She begged for her life. Shut up. And for the life of the baby inside of her. Huh? He goads Mills telling him that Tracy begged for her life and the life of her unborn child and reacts with surprise and delight when he realizes Mills was unaware that his wife was pregnant. Despite Somerset's warnings, an enraged Mills fulfills his role as Wrath and shoots John Doe fatally and repeatedly, completing Doe's plan. Somerset and the police captain watch as the devastated Mills is taken away. What a great fucking movie that is.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that part.
0: Oh, he didn't know. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Yeah. And that's movie. the perfect example, right? The guy acted out of extreme anger. Right. He was caught off guard. What? You killed my wife? What? She was pregnant? I've got a gun in my hand. Blam. I, I, he acts. He is vengeance. And, uh, you know, what uh, becomes of him after that? Probably right. not good. But that no. is the it's funny
1: that you played that. It's the first thing I thought of even before yeah. you yeah. played that. So like very it, wrath and vengeance, it's the extreme version of it. And I guess that that's wrath. You you so sparingly do yeah. you use the word wrathful? You right. don't. Like I, I was full of wrath. No one use I I can't even place a moment yeah. well, other than like an instantaneous like flash shot like if I was like sucker punched. Sure. You know that, that like something like that, but I can't really name a moment where wrath became a thing in a certain like that it's justified. That's a sin. That, that's an indulgence I can understand. I mean, yeah. that's all of it. Dead kid, fucking headless woman, blah, 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 <laughs> all yeah. that shit. I mean, that, that's it's totally understandable. Sure. But you've met people who fly off the handle. Like, you've been around people who play video games, and then they throw the controller as hard as they can at the – ah! You know, sure. you've been around that.
0: Yeah, but even just the idea, if wrath is – for me, it requires the action, right? It's not just the feeling of anger. It's the mm-hmm. It's the action based on that anger. And because it is just a reaction in anger, you don't get to consider it. You don't get to think it through. You don't consider all of the repercussions, like we said. And so that's going to lead to trouble. You know, a guy in a bar gives you some shit. You know what I mean? You, you just start throwing punches, maybe. You're going to maybe regret this, mm-hmm. you know, either through legal action or physical injury or getting banned from your favorite bar. Who knows? It could you're be any number idea. of problems. You're more likely you're going to get stomped and banned. You might. <laughs> And so I don't really recommend wrath. Mm-hmm. and And really, if I want vengeance, I'd much rather take my time to be calculated and thorough like a like a dexter vibe, maybe
1: best serve cold.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think so. All right, uh, that was wrath. Moving on, we've got envy. Envy is a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions qualities, or luck. On one hand, I think you can look at your neighbor's car or house or whatever it is, and your desire for those nice things might serve as a motivation. We were talking about this earlier. Maybe that's the extra little kick in the ass you needed to start actively working towards some goals. But envy as it's defined with discontented and resentful feelings is not good. And really, there's no good reason for it. Your neighbor having a nice car isn't the thing that's holding you back from having one. The thing that's holding you back is you. Envy is just your salty way of redirecting negative feelings about yourself onto someone else. So to embrace envy this way is completely counter to the focus on personal responsibility that we discussed earlier. So no, I don't find envy to be beneficial or a feeling that leads to physical, mental, or emotional gratification, as I Anton said. I agree.
1: I think it's. I think envy sometimes you know you can justify it by saying envy or jealousy is inspiration. It's not that. It's not the case. I very I, I sparingly see people. I, I work in doing cars. People will come in. And say, I saw my neighbor's car. I liked that a lot, and I bought it. It was more of an mm. inspiration than it was a jealousy aspect of it all. Yeah. You know, or envy. So, like, I don't I, – I don't I'm not a fan of envy. I don't look at somebody and then, like, oh, fuck that – well, no, sometimes I do. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're right because there's some people you look at – It can happen to you. look at them. Look at this motherfucker. this piece of shit. Why
0: does he get this fucking nice car? I've been busting my ass yeah, for know, three years. <laughs> but you know you're consciously doing it.
1: If you – and you're saying it. And, and, and maturity <laughs> will have it. Because I, I was thinking about it, sometimes uh, you'll look at a guy with a girl and be like or, – or vice versa. And you be like, man – yeah, I'll kick their coverage on that one.
0: You know, like <laughs> yeah. if
1: you would rather have that or you would do it better. So, like, yeah. th- there, there's, there's the issue. And hey, what does she
0: want him for, this motherfucker? Must be funny. I'm far more charming and handsome He's probably than this a, son of a bitch. He's probably
1: a musician.
0: <laughs> 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 so, like, no, I, yeah. If Envy's if, not great.
1: No, I, I don't, I don't recommend it. Inspiration yeah. is something you should fill that with.
0: Yeah, and it's just like I said, like the feeling of like wanting stuff. You know, maybe it's an inspiration or yeah, a ambition. goal or whatever. That's good. Ambitious. But when you start having negative feelings about the other person or or whatever, that's not too it's healthy. Not good. And
1: it's funny; every one of these has one fatal. Like, yes. Every definition has one word. That's like, it. Ah,
0: extreme or
1: an addiction. He's like, ah, God, I wish if you could take selfish yeah. or extreme out of it. It's and a I'm pretty so good because of
0: that, like. Everything is a little bit subjective, right? We interpret things. Everything comes with its own sort of connotation that we've built in our mind over our lifetimes, you know? And that's why I like to look up the words. I'm Mm -hmm. obsessed with, like, knowing what it actually fucking means. I just assume that modern, up-to-date dictionary definitions are accepted. Sure. If we don't have language in common, then we're pretty much fucked. So I like a definition. The last of the sins that Anton mentions— is pride. There are a few different meanings for pride, but I think the one most relevant here is a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements, the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated, or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. On the face of it, I don't see anything wrong with pride. If you've worked hard at something or created or accomplished something significant, by all means, you should feel pride and be welcomed to express that. But once again, there is a matter of balance. It's certainly possible that one can cross the line from expressing a sense of pride into boastful asshole territory. Mm-hmm. Braggart. You know, yeah, um, what are your thoughts on pride? pride's a good thing.
1: I think if you can, then do, if you can be happy, you know, be prideful, but again, don't be, don't be a bra- braggart. You know? Yeah. you know, don't be a, an obnoxious prick about it. Like, look what I did. I am, I've met people here in sales. You hear them all the time. I sold seventeen cars, and I got all this. And you, you hear it all the time. Like, I know, but now you're saying it. That's that's I, I don't. That's not pride. To me, it's more like being insecure. You know, people sure. who brag too much are insecure. I don't yeah. think that definition has it. Pride, being, I'm happy I, when I see my daughter make a good decision. I feel pride. Yeah. you know when i when i when i am able to provide i'm pr- i'm proud
0: of what i did yeah well it does it includes um, let's see a feeling of deep pleasure satisfaction derived from one's own achievements or the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated. So I don't. See, so your daughter's achievements—that's something you I, can be I proud of. I feel
1: good about it. So I don't believe that that's a bad
0: pride. I think I'd,
1: later it goes in. Later, this book goes into why pride is an unav- an unavoidable sin. Sure. Uh, but like, it, I don't think that that's you know pride. I think they're it's being mistaken for uh, being uh, being overzealous. In your accomplishments, and and not letting anyone forget that you did him. Yeah, you know. So like, that's, let me that's
0: let me ask you a question. There's lots of ways that people can feel or express pride about whatever it is, you know. But there's a a difference. Like when I was talking about it, it was about like if you've created something or accomplished mm-hmm. something. Basically, that's something you can be proud of. So let's think about some things about Jerry. Just some truths about Jerry. You're a man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're straight. Mm-hmm. you're white. Mm-hmm. Those are all truths about you. And some other truths about you are uh, you create paintings. Mm-hmm. You know, So let's take that. You might create a work of art, and maybe you're into it. You sometimes feel proud of your work, right? You create a thing, you're proud of it. Is that different than feeling pride about those other parts of yourself? Are you mm-hmm. proud to be a man? Are you mm-hmm. proud to be white? Are you proud to be straight? Because you're just born those things. You didn't do shit to get them, Mm -mm. but you did shit to make that painting. That was right. an effort that you achieved there.
1: Uh, so we're going about accomplishment versus versus like, just versus wherever you God landed in the world. Giving, yeah, well, no, I mean, there's no pride in that. It's working the, with the tools that you're assigned.
0: Right. I don't. But we uh, know that a lot of people do express that, right? I no,
1: mean, there's white pride and there's in his male male pride, and of course, I get it. I understand. It's there's okay. Gay be, pride. It's okay. There's Kane Velasquez brown pride. I saw brown pride. Yeah. I, I, I think, but it really, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it's that, that doesn't need to be stated. Yeah. And if you see people out there, it's like, I'm proud to be white. Yeah, it's nice. I'm proud to be black. You see, you know, you see it all. Yeah. It's just, I
0: don't. Yeah. I just always, I feel like there's, um, I don't even know how to put it, but there's like maybe a different category of, or something. Ooh. Like I'm proud to be whatever I just happened to be when I fell out of the womb. <laughs> well, I get that. But <laughs> <you> it, <know? laughs>
1: when it becomes dangerous is when it becomes tribal. Yeah, it, it, that's the issue. Is like when like I can't coexist with anybody else that isn't as proud of me as it is, and you know what I mean. Like so, like when it becomes more of a village thing and less of a global thing, well, then that might be a problem. Yeah. Be proud of yourself. The way you present yourself, be proud. You did this thing. You're yeah. here, and you're, you're here. And you're here in the now. You have survived this far. There's a level of pride in that. You're doing a great job, unless you're a colossal uh, sloth filled piece of shit. But they, they, yeah. but go out and do your thing. But yeah, I I think the pride can become almost fanaticism. You see, actually, sometimes it's pride in your hometown football team. Sure, like I had, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Yeah, right. So you so, didn't so do shit. I didn't do shit. You but, didn't it, catch it, 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 one ball. No, but like I said, oh, I'm a <laughs> I'm a fan of the Browns. I'm proud of the Cleveland Browns. There will be an Eagles fan in the background. Fuck the Browns! And like, well, yeah. wait a minute. Why? Yeah. What Hold do they on, do? Wait, uh, wait, wait, what do they do to you? Yeah. And like, now this becomes his pride <laughs> versus my pride, and, and then it's, right. it's It's an issue. Yeah. And maybe that would, that's when it become it can become more menacing. But like, eh, nothing wrong with pride if, as long as it's not obnoxious. As long as it's not hurting other people. As long as you're not subjugating or humiliating another person's another person's pride, for lack of a better word, pride. Sure. You know,
0: like, and uh, just like I said, like so many of them, I feel like there's just a natural balance required. For sure. Pride is fine. Turning over to the boastful asshole line, mm-hmm. uh, crossing that line is maybe not so all good.
1: All nine of these things, done in measure,
0: are fine. Yeah. Except for, uh, except for wrath, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, all right, let's get back on track here. Oh, so all of those seven deadly sins, that was the last of the sins— and all of the sins were part of Anton's eighth satanic statement. We're still in his satanic statements, and that eighth one was Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. I do not agree with the premise that all of these things deliver a net positive to the sinner. I don't think so. Right. I think Anton was perhaps so hell-bent— on being anti-Christian, that he skipped over quite a bit of the real-world nuance that comes along with it all. But all right, we've got just one last of the satanic statements. Number nine, Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept it in business all these years. And there it is. Classic Anton. He makes some sense. He makes you think. He gets you on his side, and then he says some ridiculous shit and ruins it. <laughs> uh, Anton was a showman. He understood the importance of presentation. He makes a whole list of statements, Jerry, that all start with Satan represents, but then the last one is different. And not only that, it's also pointless. It doesn't describe anything about how the Satanist feels or acts or anything about his philosophy. And let's be real, the church is what has kept the church of Satan in business for all these years. So here, here. this is just a silly one-liner, and there isn't really anything of substance there. It's
1: good copy. It's advertising.
0: Yeah. It's it's almost a tagline. It belongs inside exactly. of a Happy Meal. Right. I feel <laughs> you know. like, you know, not unlike—man, the parallels, I didn't even think of this until just this moment— but many times I've said of the Satanic Temple's seven tenets, I feel like tenet number seven is almost a bit of a summary of the previous tenets, and it almost could exist as six tenets with a little statement at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And this feels the same. This isn't one of those statements. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like the other ones at all. It's wholly out of place, and, it,
1: and it's only meant to antagonize. And it, it, it doesn't like you said it doesn't yeah there's do anything. nothing there it's and it, it, it there's nothing there it's 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 just it, it's only to fight yeah that's a fight that's what you say hey listen you don't like what the fuck I'm saying I'm the reason you
0: exist right so like without yeah, without right. darkness there there's is there's no light.
1: light thank you Tim Curry <laughs>
0: <laughs> fucking
1: love that scene <laughs> uh, yeah well uh, I uh, guess
0: uh, that's that for the satanic statement I mean what do you I
1: mean. I I, what? I I i would ask you this question you are you lead a, a faction of sorts yes um
0: <laughs> a faction of sorts <laughs>
1: yeah uh yeah what where does and i'm not gonna put you in this guy's level and and, and and say where does theater these types of statements advertising where does that factor in in your in, in we're doing a podcast for we're, my group for, for, for satanic delco satanic delco or this thing is it is have you ever had Something like that at the end of something and been like, yeah, like I mean, how does how does advertising yeah. to the public work for you? Because this is only there for people who are not Satanists. This is only right. here for others to read to research it to and to build and, and to fucking load
0: a chamber. I, I don't and to build an argument. I don't get into much of that personally. Um, I'm not you know like against it or whatever. I don't think it's wrong or a bad idea. I it's just not usually my flavor. I can. But the one, like, for example, sometimes, you know, I make posts on Instagram, stories and stuff of whatever the group is up to or the podcast or any of it. And we do our greetings from hell thing every month. So sometimes I post up a little story. It's like a little vintage illustration of a postman. And I'll put shit on there like, y'all are going to hell, Mm. stuff like that. But it's just, you know, playing off the silly ideas that Mm. people outside of Satanism might have. but I suspect that not even many of those people ever see it. It's mostly for us. Right. We know it's an in joke. You know, we're just playing with the idea. Uh, we don't think we're going to hell, but it's fun to talk about. I um, say it's, it's yeah. it,
1: there's a level of theater. And I, again, I've said it a hundred times. Uh, being this is almost pro wrestling. He's yeah. he's ta- that last statement was a heel. There's baby faces and heels. Baby faces are good guys. And heels are bad guys. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. And Anton so, loved to be the heel. He wanted to be the heel. Yeah. So, like, at the end, like, we are here for you. It makes an emphatic statement. And he's, at that point, he's waiting for the baby face come back. He's waiting for somebody <laughs> to come at him at this point. Yeah. And the rest of the book, I mean, after the nine, I was like, well, what's the rest of this shit going to be about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, but, yeah, I I was, I just, I love no matter what, and we're going to go through this whole book, I imagine, right? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 and and so I, I one thing that will remain is my love of this dramatic showmanship. It's P.T. Barnum, it's Vince McMahon, it's all of it, and it's not without its flaws, but it gets the point across, and it gets it gets a reaction, and yeah. I like that.
0: Yeah. All right, Jerry. I think this is where we'll stop for now. We've got a lot more of the Satanic Bible to get through, so we'll pick up right here next time. In the meantime, if you could visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com, I'd like you to stay safe out there, and Hail Satan! There was no but...